And so for the talks for this retreat, for the first part of the retreat, as a team we decided to explore primarily the Buddhist teachings on the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta. This text, this teaching, includes some of the Buddha's most clear and detailed instructions about the practice of mindfulness. And so that's what we will be exploring for the first few weeks, this teaching on Satipatthana. We'll follow that later in the retreat with... um, talks on uh, one of the lists that's actually mentioned in the Satipatthana, towards the ending of the Satipatthana, there's a list that's mentioned called the Seven Factors of Awakening, which is a set of qualities that we culti- that both we actively work to cultivate and that are naturally grown and developed as we practice mindfulness that lead us towards freedom, towards awakening. And so the second part of the retreat, we will go in depth in those qualities of supporting your cultivation towards the direction of freedom and liberation. So the talk tonight, I'd like to focus on or look at some about the Satipatthana Sutta itself, this teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness, and a little bit about mindfulness itself. So I think we all kind of feel like we know what mindfulness is, in a way. We've all been doing it a lot. You're here on a mindfulness retreat. And yet sometimes it... Actually, when we really start to explore, and here I've been practicing for 20 years, and the more I uh, explore my mind and explore this quality of mindfulness, the more mysterious it seems. And the more I'm not really sure I can give a clear definition for mindfulness. But we'll try. We'll explore that a little bit tonight. And there's some kind of rough definitions we can work with. Often mindfulness is um, talked about as the state of being present or being aware. Or an experience of witnessing what's happening. Or perhaps the, the recognition, the simple recognition of knowing what's happening while it's happening. And yet some of those definitions have a sense too of kind of a mental factor, mental functioning. And it is mental. The quality of mindfulness is understood to be a mind state. It's a mental factor. And yet it also can create something more... Um, embodied or feeling kind of experience of being connected with experience, intimate with experience. And so those words, intimacy, connection, they have a different quality to them than being aware or knowing what's happening while it's happening. So it's got this quality of connected, connectedness. Uh, last night, Philip used the, the phrase, the felt sense of experience. Mindfulness that we cultivate for 
our meditation practice for the understanding of our hearts and minds and um, the exploration of what's going on in here. It's based on a completely ordinary, normal functioning of mind. It's just a natural part of being human. This self-reflexive capacity of the mind to know that we know. So this is kind of the, the, the basis of where mindfulness, the, the, the quality that mindfulness grows from. The fact that we can know that we know. Be aware of our experience. So we have this capacity to know that we know. We have this capacity to know what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. And yet so often we are not aware of that. And often actually there are times when that simple quality of being aware of what's happening while it's happening, it happens to us throughout the day. It happens very naturally. In fact, I'd like to I sometimes think that without that simple capacity of knowing what's happening while it's happening, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to walk out the door. You know, there's some part of our mind that's aware of where our body is in space and some part of our mind that's able to, to navigate the world. And some of that has to do with this, this ability to recognize what's going on. But a lot of times what happens when we become aware of what's happening in the present moment, is that we immediately uh, start to do something with it. We, um, we might see something, some trash on the ground, and rather than recognizing, wow, I've become aware of trash on the ground, which is very useful to, um, I mean, it's useful to recognize the trash on the ground and do something about it to pick it up, but we don't often recognize that we have recognized that. You know, that mindfulness has arisen. And this, I think, is one of the pieces that I'm so grateful to the Buddha for because he talked about this really simple, ordinary quality of mind and said, hey, this, this quality, this quality is worth looking at. This quality is helpful to cultivate. And as Philip mentioned last night, it's helpful to cultivate in a particular way towards this question of what does it mean to move towards freedom from suffering? And so the, um, you know, that this, I'd like to explore that, that question of the perspective that we bring when we cultivate mindfulness in the path of freedom. What does that mean as opposed to just, you know, being aware of what's happening? If we think about maybe the way we were before we started meditating or just the way we understand kind of the ordinary person we meet on the street, if we meet someone who's having some kind of reactive emotion, say anger, and we ask them the question, hey, do you know that you're angry? 
they're going to look at you kind of funny. It's like, yeah, you know, I know that I'm angry. It's like, it's not a surprise to you. It's like, and yet to ask them at that point to say, well, just notice that you're angry. It doesn't have a lot of traction. Either they don't quite understand what you mean or just noticing that they're angry has the, the, the function of basically amping up the anger. Because for most people, noticing that you're angry means thinking the thoughts about what you're angry about. So this is the kind of perspective shift. It's, it's in the terrain of this kind of perspective shift that the Buddha is asking us to do. We need a new perspective around our experience. Often when we have something arising, a reactive emotion arising, we may be oriented outwards towards whatever it is we're reacting about. Thinking about that thing, what do we need to do about it? How do we fix it? How do we change it? And that very process, if we're not also aware, right, there's reactivity happening right now, that very process will fuel. It's like we've got our foot on the gas pedal of that reactive emotion. And so it, it exacerbates that reactivity. So a new perspective. What, what the Buddha is asking us to do and what is, seems to be repeated in the Satipatthana, which I'll explore a little bit in a few minutes, is to... See if we can turn towards just what we are experiencing rather than being oriented outwards towards um, what do we do about it. Oh, there's anger happening. What is it? What is the experience of anger happening here and now? We recognize what's happening as happening in this body, in this mind as a phenomenon, as experience that's happening here. That perspective shift creates the conditions for something different to happen. You all know this. You've all done quite a bit of practice. You've experienced that perspective shift. So just to highlight that, that piece of mindfulness practice, it's not just about being aware. It's about being aware and understanding that what we are aware of is a phenomenon, a human phenomenon, let's say, because we are human beings. So we are, as exploring mindfulness, we are starting to explore what is the experience of human, of humanness. That includes the whole range of humanness. All of our reactivity, all of our beautiful emotions, the states of uh, concentration that come as we collect and gather our attention the bodily sensations that happen as we walk down the hill, the feelings that happen as we lie down in bed at night, the experience 
of the coolness as we take a drink of water. Everything that happens to us, we can recognize this is the experience of being human right now. And that shift away from, towards that and away from what do I need to do about this experience of being human? How do, I, how do I get different experiences? Because I think you're all also familiar with the tendency as we meet our human experience to think, well, this, this flavor isn't exactly what I want right now. It's not the flavor that I would really choose in this moment. And so how can I go about getting something that's either a little more pleasant or how can I go about getting rid of these unpleasant things or how can I space out and just ignore the whole thing? So, you know, we we often, rather than being curious and interested in the experience of humanness, we're trying to adjust the experience of humanness to be some other way. And that is where a lot of our suffering happens, in that wishing our experience were some other way than it already is in this moment. As I talk about this, I, um, I always think it's really important to, to, to clarify and to say that, you know, the... the turning towards the experience of being human, you know, to recognize, yes, oh, there's anger arising right now. To make that step is not to say that in certain situations that we would... In certain situations, when we have that, when we notice that, we might end up doing something. You know, it's not, it's not that we... With all experience, sometimes as we talk about mindfulness and being with experience as it is, people get a sense that, what, well, that means that meditators are just like passive. We don't take action. We just sit there and let experience flow over us, and we don't do anything about it. In my experience, what being mindful does when we actually meet experience and open to the reality of being human, if we, are, if we are meeting that with an open heart, not with a contracted heart, if we're meeting that with interest and curiosity, it actually creates the conditions for a wise response to arise to that situation, as opposed to an automatic reaction. That's our usual approach, or at least I know in my own life, that's been my usual approach when you know, something happened to make me angry. It's like, I need to do something about this. And it's kind of an automatic reactivity. It's like knee-jerk, you know, something unpleasant, got to get rid of it, got to figure out how to fix it. And yet with the, the mindfulness practice, it's not that the, that the responsiveness, the responsiveness actually grows in a way. And there's a way that we begin acting from a completely different place rather than acting out of reactivity, out of you know, confusion and greed and anger and aversion and frustration. We start acting out of wisdom and compassion and generosity and kindness. There's a whole host of beautiful qualities of mind that inspire action in our lives and in the world. And mindfulness opens us to that place where we can t- 
touch into being motivated by the beautiful forces of mind. And yet, you know, as we're exploring this, as we're practicing with this, of course there are going to be times when we feel that contractedness, and yet we still have to act. You know, it's like if you're in a situation of danger or, you know, a situation of abuse, to just sit there and wait until you have a completely non-reactive response before you take action is not necessarily so helpful. And so we have to learn to navigate it, to both be, you know, to honor the arising of our strong reactivity, to meet it, to recognize it, and to, uh, in, in that simple recognition, at least we are um, aware that we may be acting from it. And we have a little bit of a chance, a little bit of a choice point to perhaps bring in a reflection on compassion or wisdom as we are recognizing. I mean, even just recognizing, yes, this is an abusive situation. Boy, do I hate that person. And yes, it is compassionate for me to get away from this. So to, to, to recognize that it's, it's a process of... a process of purification, really. Purifying our minds. And so the teaching of Satipatthana is really the Buddha's... Um, encouragement for us to cultivate this quality of mindfulness from a perspective that points us towards freedom. So satipatthana, this word satipatthana, contains sati, which is the Pali word for mindfulness, and the second part of the word patana, which is translated in a couple of different ways that I think shed some different light on what is being pointed to. One very common way of translating satipatthana is the foundations of mindfulness. And there are four, four areas offered, and so often the satipatthana sutta is described as the teachings on the four foundations of mindfulness. And in this way, it kind of, the four areas are body, feeling, mind states, and and I'll talk about that in just a minute more in more depth. So there are these four areas, and in a way, this translation of foundation of mindfulness is kind of it, it emphasizes that there are aspects of experience that are helpful to pay attention to. So it emphasizes what what we are paying attention to. This a little bit. It emphasizes the you know, what we are paying attention to, to support this cultivation of mindfulness. So that term of the foundations of mindfulness kind of encourages us to think about what we're noticing. Another translation for this word satipatthana is the establishment, the four establishments of mindfulness. And to me, this points a little bit more to uh, that, that, or the establishing 
of mindfulness, perhaps, is the way we could say it. That we explore how to create the conditions to allow mindfulness to flourish. To me, this points a little bit more to how we bring our attention to experience as opposed to what we are paying attention to. Those two translations, the foundations of mindfulness, the establishing of mindfulness, I think it's important to recognize both what and how we pay attention are important. So if we explore what it means to establish mindfulness in these four areas. Mindfulness of body is the first establishment of mindfulness. This is exploring, opening to the physical sensation level of experience. Philip was pointing to this in the guided meditation this morning, the feelings of heaviness and weight and so many different sensations of pressure, vibration, tingling, pulsing, just this this felt sense of the body. This is a great foundation for mindfulness because it is so obvious in so many ways. Although, I have to say, when I first started practicing mindfulness, it wasn't very obvious. It's kind of like I... I was experiencing my body from the neck up. I was really in my head. And even though I was a dancer and could control my body, there wasn't, when people told me to feel into the feeling of the body, I was kind of mystified as to what that meant. And so it took some time to begin to explore and and feel into all the different sensations of experience. It's almost like we have to learn the language that the body is communicating with us with. The exploration of the body, it's a, it is um, kind of one of the more obvious areas. I can call your attention, for instance, to the sensations of your hands, and probably you can feel that. Or just noticing the sensations of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench. There's some some obvious sensations in the body. And so as a place to begin mindfulness, to me this points to some of the kind of wisdom of the Buddha to start with something that's pretty easy. We start by connecting with experience that's obvious and easy. It also begins to help us kind of tease apart the, um, what is the experience of the body and what's the experience if, in relationship to the body. You know, if there's pain in the body, this is a kind of, uh, you know, unpleasant, strong unpleasant sensation in the knee or in the back. There's that sensation. There's there's unpleasantness in the body and probably sensations of burning or sparking or aching or dullness or throbbing. So there's that sensation level of experience. 
And then there's the whole host of, boy, I can't stand this, I hate this, I have to fix this, I have to change this. So there's a whole host of reactivity to that experience. And what we see as we um, pay attention to our experience with mindfulness is that the um, juxtaposition of those two things, of physical pain and reactivity, makes the entire experience way worse. And it almost seems like the, the physical pain is worse when we are reactive. And so there's this kind of really tight feedback loop between body and mind that at, it, in ways that are surprising, we almost confuse an experience of the body with the experience of the mind. So as we start to get familiar with the kind of sensation level of experience, we can begin to recognize, oh yeah, there's that burning sensation, and oh, I really don't like it, and ooh, feel how that burning gets stronger as I don't like it. So we can start to see how the mind influences the experience of the body. This is an important part of beginning to recognize what is the experience of body as distinct from our relationship, our mental relationship to it. In particular, in the first three foundations of mindfulness and in the mindful foundation of the body, there's a strong uh, encouragement to kind of just take experience as it is. There are places where in the foundation of body, it says, well, when you're breathing, you know, you're breathing in, know that you're breathing in. <coughs> breathing out, know that you're breathing out. When you're walking, know that you're walking. When you're reaching, know that you're reaching. It's really simple. It's just a very simple encouragement to, to know what's happening with the body while it's happening. When there's the experience of pressure, know that the experience of pressure is there. It doesn't say, notice the experience of pressure and do something about it. It says, notice the experience of pressure and be aware of that. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. That's actually a great meditation instruction to work with. It's so simple. You don't have to to get all close and figure out what the breath feels like. It's like, yeah, breathing in. I know I'm breathing in. That's good enough. Oh, breathing out. Yeah, I know I'm breathing out. That's good enough. That's one of the first meditation instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta. Really simple. Just this bare kind of knowing what's happening with the body. And there's that, that kind of simplicity is repeated for these first three foundations in particular. The second foundation, the foundation of feeling, is an encouragement to recognize pleasant, unpleasant, neutral experience. Just whatever's arising, there's some of that flavor of, got a flavor of being pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And this just goes on all the time. You know, while you were eating your meal, this was happening with every single bite. Flavors happening that, oh, tofu, hmm, not liking tofu. Ooh, tahini sauce, liking tahini sauce. <laughs> so there's that, that kind of fluctuation of pleasant, unpleasant all through 
our day. As we walk down the hill, seeing things, liking, seeing things. See, we, uh, we take certain things as pleasant, certain things as unpleasant. So this is like a feature of every moment of experience that it's got this flavor of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And again, the Buddha's encouragement with this foundation of mindfulness is when pleasant experience arises, no pleasant experience is arising. When unpleasant experience is arising, no unpleasant experience is arising. Again, very simple instructions. The third foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of mind states, being aware of what our mind is doing, essentially some of these relationships with experience. This section, again, it's, it's simple. It's very simple. The, the teaching highlights a few simple areas. Know whether aversion is present or absent. Know whether greed is present or absent. Know whether delusion is present or absent. Know whether concentration is present or absent. Notice whether distraction is present or absent. There's some few, you know, eight or nine states that are encouraged. Notice these states of whether they're present or absent. Again, it's like if aversion's arising, no aversion is arising. That's the instruction in the Satipatthana Sutta. It doesn't say, notice aversion's arising and then try to figure out how to get rid of it. So these first three foundations in particular, are, there's a strong emphasis on the simplicity of noticing the human experience. Being aware that feelings are arising in the present moment, body sensations are arising in the present moment. Mind states are arising in the present moment. Just this simple, this is what human experience is. So this, what we maybe could call something like bare recognition of what's happening right now is a feature of this perspective of mindfulness that the Buddha offers for heading us in the direction of freedom. The fourth foundation is a little more complex in its structure. It's, I could say, it's called the mindfulness of dhammas. And uh, I kind of like to think about it as awareness of our experience through the perspective of the Dharma teachings. It's kind of like, how do we apply what we learn in the Dharma to our direct experience? So it, it, it explores various lists, and one that we'll talk about in a day or two is the hindrances, those states of mind that tend to kind of catch us up often. The desire, ill will, doubt, restlessness and anxiety, 
and um, uh, sloth and torpor, those kind of states of mind that tend to get in our way. It's, uh, and there's an encouragement in, our, in the fourth foundation to notice if one of those hindrances is arising or if it's not arising. Now, even just a simple, that simplicity of, oh, is, uh, is doubt arising or is doubt not arising in this moment? Now, that very simple exploration covers every moment of experience. Either doubt is present or it's not. So we can kind of simplify and look at our experience in this, in this, in this way. So the, the, the fourth foundation is asking us to kind of explore, you know, these teachings of the Buddha. The, and in this foundation, there is kind of an encouragement to begin to recognize, okay, the hindrances, they tend to get in the way. And so we're encouraged to recognize what helps us to let go of the hindrances. What is it that gets us caught? How do they come to be? How do they, how do they um, dissipate? And so we're encouraged to, to kind of see the conditions that lead towards the creation of the hindrances and those conditions that lead towards the releasing of the hindrances. There are other lists also in this text, in, this, in the fourth foundation, different kind of dharma perspectives that we're asked to look at our experience and begin to explore how, how might we apply that teaching to this moment of experience. In particular, there's a lot of curiosity in this foundation about the conditioned nature of experience. How does, how does this experience arise in the mind? What are the conditions that put it together? What allows it to fall apart? What supports the continuance of wholesome states? So there's this, this encouragement to reflect on conditioned nature of experience and the impersonal nature of experience. So in this fourth foundation, we are exploring whatever's happening in the present moment through the lens of the Buddhist teaching, the Dharma. And we'll explore these foundations together over the course of the next few weeks. This is really just to kind of give you a, a sense of the, the direction or the flavor of where this teaching as a whole points to. It points to a kind of mindfulness that is a non-judgmental, non-interfering awareness of what's happening while it's happening, and yet an understanding of being curious about, and what states help me to move towards freedom? And what states are in the way of moving towards freedom? Early in this in the sutta, the Buddha offers a kind of a, um, a phrase that gives a sense of the the way that it's helpful to bring our attention to experience. I, I talked about the, you know, in, in what I just went through, I was really talking about what we're kind of noticing. And a little bit about that non-judgmental exploration of mindfulness around what we're noticing. 
This phrase that the Buddha offers at the beginning of each of the foundations gives us a flavor of the qualities of mind that will help us to support mindfulness. And this phrase is, one abides contemplating our experience, basically. It's repeated for each foundation. So one abides contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware, mindful, free from desires and discontent for the world. One abides contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, mindful, fully aware, free from desires and discontent for the world. One abides contemplating mind states as mind states, ardent, fully aware and mindful, free from desires and discontent for the world. So this, this phrase, it adds a little richness to what we're doing, how we're doing it, really. I'd like to look at this phrase a little bit. See, what does it evoke for us? These words are pretty potent, actually. Even just this first two, abides contemplating. As you explore right now, what does it feel like as I I say the word abide with your experience? What does that evoke? Abide with the body. To me, it it conveys a a sense of dwelling, a, a sense of home, a sense of resting, of contentment, abiding in the body, abiding, contemplating. The contemplating part is kind of a, not just abiding and kind of spacing off into the Netherlands, but abide and contemplate the body. So we actually gather that abiding around an area of experience. Encouraging, to me, these two words together, abides contemplating, encourages a relaxed, open, receptive meeting of experience. And abides contemplating the body How does that feel as you let that phrase land? Abide, contemplating the body. Just with a simplicity, there is a body. Or abide, contemplating an in-breath. Abide, knowing an out-breath. One abides contemplating the body as a body. That's an interesting phrase. The body as a body, feelings as feelings, mind states as mind states. What what might that mean? I think this is bringing in a little bit of kind of some wisdom to this contemplation. we are recognizing that the body in and of itself, we're recognizing the body as a body, not me, 
not my body, but just this is a body, as a body. So it begins to bring in a little bit of impersonal, even as we connect and dwell, right in the middle of it. Some paradoxes almost just in the, in the speaking of it, but as we feel into it, abide, contemplating, there is a body. Can there be a landing in that? And yet a knowing of the, the fact that there, this body is here and there are so many the conditions for this body are not my doing or my that's not completely true i mean we 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 you know eat a certain amount and it influences what we you know whether we gain or lose weight or whatever you know so but it's not completely that way but you know that the conditions for this body to come uh this body is is made of the same stuff that the rest of the universe is made from. This is the the, the point or the, the perspective of, you know, the body is just stuff. Elements. There's one uh, teaching that I love that comes from an unexpected source, perhaps, from uh, Carl Sagan, a physicist, an astrophysicist. And he teaches us that every single atom in our bodies, every single particle of physicality in our bodies was forged in the heart of a star. We are star stuff. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It's really just the universe expressing itself. Abides contemplating the body as a body. Abides contemplating star stuff as star stuff. Abides contemplating the body as a body. Ardent. This word to me brings in some couple pieces. It brings in the heart quality. Ardent has a kind of the, the sense of uh, wholehearted, heartfelt connection with experience. It also brings in a sense of commitment and diligence to practice. So it brings in both the, the heart qualities and also the sense of, I'm going to do this. So there's kind of a, a, a level of needing to commit to being present, opening to, abiding with, moment after moment after moment. This is a delicate balance, this area of ardency, of diligence, of persistence. Because it's so easy to have that turn into forcing, pressing, overdoing it. 
there's a way that, that, that this, this uh, teaching encourages us to abide with ardency. So it's bringing in both a sense of relax and commit. They're not opposites, those two. And so there's a kind of a delicate dance that happens right in the present moment. We commit to just enough ardency to meet this moment. No more than that. Because that's all that we can really do, is meet this moment. And then we do it again, and again, and again. Right now, how hard is it to notice the sensation of your hips against a chair or cushion or bench? How about now to notice the sensations of your hands? How about now to notice the sensations of your feet? Or your lips contacting each other? As I name each thing, often it's pretty, it's not a lot, right? It's not a lot to notice that in that moment. There it is. That meeting of experience in that moment, for that moment, that's enough. But we have to remember to do it in the next moment, too. And so that's the, da- that's the dance. Enough commitment to be present for this and then do it again and again and again. And we'll forget. In the moment when you remember, it's just, okay, here I am. Can I be with this and this and this? Joseph Goldstein sometimes talks about the secret teaching of the half-breath. Just enough energy is necessary to connect with half a breath at a time. How hard is it to know an in-breath right now? Just enough. That's all you need to do. Know this in-breath. And then this out-breath. That level of effort, repeated, is how the ardency is expressed. The next phrase is fully aware. Abides contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware. Here too, this to me, I think the context in which this is used is bringing in the clear understanding of things as they are. Uh, Fully aware that Whatever experience is happening right now is impermanent. It's arising and ceasing. They arise, they may stay for a moment, or they stay for a little while, stays however long it does, and then it ceases. Just knowing, clearly, fully aware that phenomenon is rolling on. The impermanent nature of experience. Some teachings also include in this area being aware, fully aware of the purpose towards which we are doing this practice. This really brings in the intention that Philip was talking about last night. Why are we doing this? It's not just 
you know, simply something that, you know, just to do, it's, it's, it takes a lot of commitment to come here for a month. And so you all have some connection with your purpose for this practice. Remembering that purpose infuses the practice with some some more heart. I think it infuses it both with heart and wisdom to understand why we are engaged in this practice. The last phrase, free from desires and discontent for the world, it sounds like you're supposed to be done with desires and discontent, the way it's phrased in this particular translation. And yet, you know, we're not going to be able to get there right away. You know, whatever's arising, probably there are going to be desires and discontent arising around it. So, yeah, there's, there's uh, pain arising in the knee and there's frustration. So there's discontent, that pain. And yet, what we can do, begin to do, is to recognize, okay, yes, there is the pain and there is the frustration. So we recognize that mind state itself. Right there, we are starting to move in the direction of freeing ourselves from being caught by that frustration. So we are, and actually, I believe it's Bhikkhu Analiyo points out that this phrase, free from desires and discontent for the world, could be expressed not in the past tense, but in the active uh, tense. Freeing oneself from desires and discontent. So we engage, abide, contemplating, the body is a body, ardent, fully aware, mindful, freeing oneself from desires and discontent for the world. It's a process that we engage in that begins to allow us. This very process of meeting desire and discontent begins meeting it in this way of, oh, discontent is arising right now. That is the step that begins to move in the direction of freedom. And so we're not going to be able to flip the switch. I mean, we see, we see discontent arising. We see frustration, anger, aversion arising. We know it. We, we, you know, we'd like it to stop. It'd be great if we had a switch we could flip and say, oh, anger, that's not useful. Let me turn that off. How, how successful are we with that? You know, I'm not very successful with it. But it's possible and what's really useful is there is a kind of turning towards oh that's anger right what's that like that's frustration ah what's that like and the experience that we find in that moment rather than being caught by that that tied up in knots how do I get rid of this it's more like oh let me see what it's like Huge difference in the experience there. And the felt sense of that is an understanding of how that does start to free us from that state. So, 
this practice of mindfulness the Buddha points to encourages us to abide, contemplating our experience with heart, with diligence, really understanding the impermanent nature of experience and exploring what it means to turn towards those feelings of desire and discontent rather than being driven by them. This process is the process that will very naturally lead us to freedom. And that is the promise of the Satipatthana Sutta. It says at the beginning, this path is the direct path to freedom. In the end of the sutta, there's actually a kind of a promise. It says, if you engage in this, for seven months, you will have freedom. Not to speak of seven months. If you engage with it for one month, you will find freedom. Not to speak of one month. If you engage it with for seven days, you will find freedom. Now that's really continuous for seven days. But he, he points, he says, this points us right to freedom, this practice of mindfulness. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.